Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Joined with my co-host Kathy Moss. We don't have Bob Deal with us today. He is at Rob Moses Day at the Martial Arts History Museum, and I'm hoping Kat's mic is working today. Hey, Kat, can you hear me? I hear you, but you're a little far away. Oh, that will stop in a second. <laughs> okay. That will, okay, great. That will, that will stop in a second. All right, that's going to stop now. Turn off. There we go. Is that better? That's better. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Much better. Yay. Much better. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Um, we're going to have to start the show over again on Facebook Live here in about five minutes. <laughs> I was having some te- technical difficulties with uh, my audio. Uh, my line in got all screwed up and disabled somehow. I don't know why. So what we're going to do right now, listeners, um, is we are going to connect with Facebook Live. And we're going to do that right now. I'm just grabbing a stream key right now. Um, let's see. 11, 19, 17. So we're going to be talking about success stories in the martial arts. And we're also going to be take, uh, fielding questions from our viewers once we get onto Facebook Live. So be patient with me, listeners, Um, because I know there are people out there that just listen to the show, but you know, it's more fun to listen on Facebook, to listen and watch on Facebook Live. So let us Uh, I need to name this something. So have you guys ever done this is for everyone out there. Have you guys ever done this where you where you type as you talk and the faster you talk the faster you type? Why don't they teach that in high school? <laughs> <laughs> they used to teach shorthand in high school. Yeah, ages ago. Yeah, so here we go. They don't any longer. Yeah. So I'm going to try it. We are live on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Live on Facebook Live. Woo, boy! I wonder how many words an hour, uh, words a minute that is. <laughs> That's live on Facebook Live. <laughs> okay. Join me and oh, I got to tag you. That's right. And oops, how did you get all messed up like that? And click Kathy Long as we. Discuss success stories in the martial arts and what else? Field questions 
from the viewers. <laughs> it's also the debut of cats. So you got all weird there. Cats new segment. Corner with a K. <laughs> Yay. I typed that out. All right. And we are going to go in and give our encoder a stream key, and we will be good to go. Okay. Facebook Live, apply. Okay. <clears throat> so guess what, folks? We're going to start all over again. <laughs> all right, this time on Facebook Live. So you're going to hear silence for the next 30 seconds. So You're listening to the Diana Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Martial Artistry Museum. Hi, Rob. Congratulations. Hi, everyone attending. Oh, this is not our five-year anniversary episode. I see that our masthead up above my head um, has that on there, so we are going to get rid of that. There we go. <laughs> anyway, Kat <laughs> okay. on the line with us. How you doing, Kat? I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We had a little bit of... Uh, technical difficulties a little bit earlier, um, just mixing stuff, I almost threw my mixer out the window, but, you know, <laughs> I was having communication, I was having communication issues, but it's all, it's all good now, we're all good, so stay tuned, folks, because a little bit later, we are going to debut Cat's new segment, it's called Cat's Corner, and, uh, I believe, um, Professor Angie Abad came up with that cool new uh, new name uh, for Kat's new segment. And what happens with this segment is every week, Kat will answer one question that is submitted sometime during the week by viewers. Now, if you want to submit a question, all you got to do is get a hold of me on my personal profile. Uh, give me a message and um, say, hey, this is a question for Kat. Or you can actually go to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio page, and you can message us there, and I get that every day. And uh, you can put in a question there, and uh, you can say, hey, this is a question for Kat's Corner. And uh, at the end of the week, on Friday, we pick one question for Kat to answer and that'll be her segment. You can ask her anything about self-defense, kickboxing, her career, whatever, what she feeds her dog, whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you can you can ask her you can ask her almost anything, almost almost. So, 
Anyways, so now speaking of the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, um, it's a page. It's not a group. So if you type in Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, um, there'll be a group that's called Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. Don't don't go to that. You want to be able to like the page, not just join a group. Um, and that's the page that we normally that we normally go on. Um, in fact, I'm I've been telling myself that I'm gonna can the group, but I keep forgetting. So anyway, anywho, so. Cat, how was your week so far? Uh, you know, I I had this nightmare of a trip driving to UCLA from Yucca Valley. And when I first put it in my GPS the night before, it was only a two-hour drive. But when I woke right. up in the morning, it became a four-and-a-half-hour drive. And then what? I missed my exit. I, yeah, I got off on the wrong exit and... And I was driving down this curvy road, and I couldn't turn around. <laughs> so for the oh, two-hour no. workshop, I think I was able to teach maybe 40 minutes of it. It was very frustrating. But oh, I got through it. Yeah, and everyone enjoyed it for the 40 minutes they, <laughs> they got. But otherwise, I've had a good week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've had... I've had I've had those kind of days where like uh, and it's always with seminars. Why is it with seminars, folks? You know where you're like, oh, I have plenty of time, and you know, in my case, I get the time wrong. I was I was supposed to do a knife throwing class for a bachelorette party, and I got the time wrong. So I'm like, oh, I've got I've got plenty of time. It's an hour and a half drive to get out there because it's like out past Tacoma from Seattle and I was coming from here was coming from the studio and I'm I'm driving along. I just left the studio and I get this call. Are you on your way yet? And I'm like, yeah, I'm on my way. I should be there in about an hour and something. And she's like, well, all the gals are here. And I went, when, when, when did this start? <laughs> Again, Cause I have five o'clock. Uh-oh. Like, no, it started at four. And I'm like, no, so I am driving like a bat out of hell, and of course I hit traffic, you know, out by Tacoma, and ah, oh, yeah, it was it was bad, but you know, thank goodness it was in the summer, so we just we just threw knives until like ten in, ten in the evening, and the gals had had a great time, and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> oh man, so. Cat, <laughs> check this out. John Lupo says after I introduce your new segment that you can ask questions of Cat. John Lupo says you have no idea what kind of horrors you have unleashed on Cat. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh really? Oh really? I don't so anyway, John says hi, Cat. Wesley Edmund Minister hi. says hi, ladies. Dan Ross says hi, ladies. And uh, Janie. Our longtime listener and, and fan is watching also. And uh, Janie says, knife throwing, knife throwing for a bachelorette party. Oh, suspecting something was going up in the future. She just needed that skill, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, anyway, because of all these technical difficulties, um, ooh, is that okay in the background? I hope so. Yeah, he was coughing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You should hear me when I have a cold and I'm on the air. It's it's awful. It is awful. Aww. So because, 
Yeah. Um, I was having some I'm having talking issues as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, we're not going to have weird news. Um, however, um, we have birthdays. Kat, do you have anybody to know with birthday this week at all? Not this week, no, unfortunately. Okay. And, oh, let's see. Getting a message through the airwaves here. Um, Rosita, is that you? What is me? <laughs> Lindsay Mantua just, uh, um, Lindsay Mantua just, uh, uh, texted me on Facebook and goes, Gita, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's me. <laughs> why would it why would it not be me? But go figure. <clears throat> weird. I wonder why she's asking. That's weird, huh? Anyway. No. Yeah. And, you know, is anyone else out there having problems with the desktop version of Facebook? And it like moving really slow. Oh, wait a minute. I know what this is. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. 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 No, it's not. I think you sent me a spam video. I thought you were just asking if. It was me, but I didn't click the video. Check this out, folks. I didn't click the video when it finally popped up. Change your Facebook password. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of you have gotten this before, but, you know, where you get those Facebook emails and it's a video and they go, Hey, is this you in this video? Okay. If, if you haven't gotten it and you do get it, don't click the video because it will F up everything. So don't click it. Um, Bob says you should have used cat's phone. Bob, <laughs> Bob Robinson. You used cat's phone. Oh. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> you know what, Bob, my computer is working splendidly right now, which is why I'm wondering why Facebook is is lagging because I actually got a new operating system on here. I got everything cleaned out. I have a basically a whole new computer inside this little box right here. So kudos to uh, kudos and many thanks to Scott Nelson. He also fixed up Cat's computer too. He Cat's did, computer. and my iPod got fixed, and, and yay, I can have all my healing music back on it. Yay. Yep. yep, 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 exactly. Um, John Lupo said, you got a spammer, you meet corpse stuff, Rusty. What? John, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Michael Pinkney is watching, too, and he writes, if that is Kathy Long, it's not. She is, uh, well, if that is Kathy Long, it's not. Is she still staying in Florida? What? What? So... I don't know. This is what I'm. This is what I'm. This is what I'm reading. So Michael Pinkney, this is what you wrote, and 
please cor- please you know correct me if I'm wrong in reading this. It says if that Kathy Long, it's not. She is she still staying in Florida? So Michael, please please reiterate what you mean, please. <clears throat> well, he, well, Michael, he just so you know, I've never lived in Florida. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> you might be thinking of a different Kathy Long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kathy's never lived in Florida, Michael, so just so you know. And John says, I thought you were saying something about a spammer. Yes, I was. Um, well, it was actually a friend of mine. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Lindsay Mantua, sent me a text on Facebook, and she, she writes, is this you, Ristita? And since Facebook was, was being really laggy, um, all I got was, is this you? But then a video popped up. Thank goodness it popped up when it did, because I almost clicked clicked on the um, on her post. And I initially wrote back, yes, it's me. And then I went, no, wait, it's not me, because this is a spam video. You better change your password, girl. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Bob, <laughs> Bob, Bob Robinson goes, Kathy is down here in Florida with me. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Bob. Bob, you gotta, you gotta confuse me. Hey, wait, are we going fishing tomorrow? You guys going sword? If we're in Florida, let's go deep sea fishing. Yeah, let's go deep sea fishing. And and Michael writes back, and since Facebook cats and you came to Marshall Hall of Fame years ago on the Lanta, the World Family Council. Darn voice to text, Michael. I don't know, I don't know what you're saying, man. I don't know. <clears throat> well, yes, we okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna try and translate this. Um, Cat, basically, and since you and me, Cat, went to the martial arts hall of fame years ago, on in Atlanta. What? No, in Atlanta. And it says on the Lanta, on the Lanta. Sorry, it was the wrong righty. <laughs> the wrong righty. <laughs> yeah. Girl, you gotta. Girl, you, you, get on your phone and wait. Well, you can't because you're on the phone, huh? Uh, I was wondering if you can like follow the video feed because <laughs> because the, you gotta read the comments, girl. You gotta read the comments. Um. Oh. 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 Cat went to the World Family Council in Orlando. Did you go to something in Orlando, Cat? Yeah, a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, but but you know what, Michael? She's never lived in Florida. She's been up there, but she's never lived in Florida. So. Let's get on with the show. Stay tuned, folks. And uh, remember our phone number. Our phone number is 347-677-0699 right there. And um, give us a call a little bit later because we are going to be talking about martial arts success stories. We want to hear from you, martial arts instructors out there, to tell us a little bit about the some of the many martial arts success stories that you have um, encountered in your career in teaching, and even if you're a student and have witnessed the transformation 
of someone through their martial arts training, give us a call, 347-677-0699. And we're also going to be uh, fielding some questions that we've gotten um, over the week from viewers. We have, um, we're going to be answering a question from April Vidal. She wanted to know about uh, <clears throat> the history of the karate gi and what the colors mean and what the belts mean and stuff like that. And we're going to go ahead and answer that. Um, Grand, uh, Master Clark Tang is joining us. Hello, Grandmaster. So let's move on with the show. Um, no birthday. Well, I'm sure there are birthdays, but <laughs> my Facebook was being very laggy. Oh, well, here's some, here's some birthdays. We've got Douglas Gaunt. His birthday is today. Um, oh, yay. Go, Douglas. Happy birthday. And Tucky Curry, 57 years old today. How cool is that? Um, Roxanne Johnson, an old school chum of mine. Our birthday is also today. Um, and then tomorrow, Monday the 20th, we've got, um, oh no, nobody, sorry. Tuesday, November 21st, we've got Vincent Gist. He's a Kajakembo, uh, colleague of mine. Speaking with Michelle Pleasant, um, is, uh, from Fusion Kung Fu here in Seattle. Her birthday is on Monday. Amanda Zwar, who is the, uh, facilities manager for, the School of Acrobatics and New Circus Arts that I teach Bullwhip at. Her birthday is also on the 21st. My old, oldest, one of my oldest and dearest friends from junior high, Clena Smith, Clena Walton Smith, also on on Tuesday. <clears throat> and Rita Moore, um, also on Tuesday. And Kirsten Mayer, who was a previous student of mine and is a is uh, pounding the pavement in her ambulance, being an EMT right now. Brian King's birthday is also on Tuesday. On Wednesday, the 22nd, a Dosai Pares sister, Amy Kerniger, is um, uh, is going to be, oh, it doesn't say how old she's going to be. <laughs> Shifu Chen Huixian, her birthday is also on Tuesday, um, straight from Chen Village. She is a uh, direct student out of Chen Village in China. Jake Kazdahl, happy birthday, man. On the 23rd, Jason Bingham Mancia. He's one of the hosts of the Gathering of Champions that we uh, recently broadcasted from. David Goodman is turning 34 on the 23rd. Gerald Okamura is turning 77. 77, he doesn't look a day over 50, in my opinion. In my opinion, but you know. His birthday is on Thursday, the 23rd. Same with Michael Huffman and Camille Wren. On Friday, oh, no, like, let me back up. Uh, Ria Estrada Rambayon, an, an old um, cohort from the Barangay dance troupe that I used to belong to when I was in high school and college, or birthdays, <clears throat> also on Thursday. And same with Annette Dong, previous student of mine. Friday the 24th, another partner in crime, Peter Reif. He's turning 57. Got to tell everyone that, buddy. Uh, one of my favorite knife makers, throwing knife makers, Randall Bow McNeese, 54, on Friday. Gerald Rivera's turning 47. And I think that's it. Saturday, who do I have for people on Saturday? I don't. <laughs> I don't have anybody. So for everyone... Having a birthday this week. Make it a good one. This song's for you. Hola. You. It's your birthday. We're here to party and sing to you. It's from me. 
Hope you are bueno, the fun will rain, the whole day through. From the Gulf to the mountains, the city lights and fountains, we hope your birthday's excellente. You are another year older, so perhaps you should be generally awesome. Cause today is your day, hola. You deserve a grand fiesta, and later on fiesta, and the best of everything. Sí, señor. I want to go have to see it, doesn't it? Why does this five-year anniversary episode thing keep popping up? <laughs> I need to get rid of this. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Let's get rid of this real quick. <laughs> I was like, why does it keep saying, you know, five-year anniversary when we already did that? So, anyway. Let's get rid of this. All right. So, give us a call, folks, 347-677-0699 right there. All right, let's get right into the health news, shall we? And I lost my health news. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, here it is. Here it is. All right, so this week in health news, the question is, is switching up your workout hindering your progress? So, um, write down the phone number, folks. Okay, we're going to get out of this window and you won't have the numbers. All right, so is uh, switching up your workouts too often hindering your progress? It's no secret in the workout world. Um, there's, it's no secret the workout world boasts countless approaches to fitness. Just, fitness, just Google fitness studio and you'll get close to 27 million Hits from group fitness classes to personal training to streaming services to big box gyms, you'll find more places to flex than ever before. And then there's your choice of sweat you've got HIT, you've got bar, you've got aqua, you've got uh, aqua cycling, you've got cat yoga. Cat yoga, really? Cat yoga, cat yoga. I guess my cats do don't do yoga. <laughs> 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 I, I go figure. Now, with the <laughs> with the endless ways to get physical, is it your best bet to constantly mix it up? Now, you know you've got like these uh, these programs like you know P90X and stuff like that that, that you know really work on on you know uh, switching up your exercises so it uh, it uh, promotes muscle confusion, right? But studies are showing that, uh, you know, the short answer, it's probably not. Now, I think it's talking about switching from HIIT to cat yoga to da-da-da. So if you switch, like, every day, that kind of thing, it could hinder your results and slow your progress. So with this question, the question went straight to the experts to pinpoint the pros and cons of doing the most. Listen in. Let's uh let's listen in on what they have to say. Now, the pros of multiple choice. Here we go. Now, companies like ClassPass and FitReserve have shown there's definitely an appeal to mixing up exercise methods. For starters, it makes fitness more fun thanks to the di- to the different styles of teaching and training. A group environment also lets you feed off of others' energy. And these days, working out with trainers is more accessible and affordable. So whether you're signing up for boutique fitness at a discounted rate or following workouts online, you have your pick of 
wallet-friendly options. Now, another benefit is that can, it, it can eliminate the too-busy-to-work-out argument. I'm too busy to work out. <laughs> right? To, new studios give people multiple training options. So those that can't get to the gym, quote-unquote, or can't schedule a class at a time that works for me, um, it, those don't work. Says Dan Trink, a strength coach and co-founder of Fortitude Strength Club in New York. By having fitness at your fingertips 24-7, finding time to squeeze it in becomes much more doable. Uh, now, you've probably heard also that to avoid a plateau in your results, you've got to mix things up. And while we'll touch on the limitations on that later, the plethora of workout options does keep your muscles and your mind from getting bored. Quote, unquote, the body works in different energy systems. So it's important to vary strength in cardio, mobility, and flexibility training, says Liz Barnett who's a uh, fitness instructor in New Jersey. She says many workouts focus on one thing more than the other, so it's good to change it up. So those are just a few of the pros of um, mixing, uh, mixing it up. The cons of mixing it up too faster, stronger, all comes down to one key element, progressive overload. That means continuously challenging your body to do more than it could previously. Going to a variety of different studios or classes does not allow you to gain any momentum or real training effect that comes with building on an actual progressive training program. If you're in it strictly to have fun or as a form of socializing, that's great. Have a good time. If you're looking to maximize your fitness, however, you can fall into the trap of, quote-unquote, mixing it up at the expense of actually making progress, getting better, and reaching your goals. This holds true if you're trying to improve one particular aspect of fitness, too, so let's say you want to learn how to do the crow pose in yoga or finally pull off a pull-up. A pull if your workout schedule consists of just one yoga class or one strength routine a week because you're switching it up too often every day, that's not necessarily going to get you there. If you're going to become better at any particular thing, you have to practice it regularly and consistently. Now, one more downside. If you don't have a good foundation to build off of, you're increasing your chance of injury. And this comes from Noam Tamir, the founder of TS Fitness in New York City. Noam says, many classgoers might not be in tune with their muscle imbalances. So continuing to exercise and reinforce those misaligned movement patterns can actually lead to problems. And we're going to talk about this a little later when it, uh, in, uh, while we're talking about martial arts. Meanwhile, a personal trainer, physical therapist, or functional movement specialist can help you pinpoint problems before they need to be addressed. They can also keep an eye out so you move in the right direction. <clears throat> so if you're in capable hands, a specific workout will first be able to meet you at your current fitness level and to be able to adapt, adapt you to the program of your needs. From there, it will smartly progress. Not do the same workout over and over for a length of time, and, and that's going to allow you to improve your training. So um, it should also help you mitigate injuries and ideally improve movement and strength quality. This becomes impossible if you're just jumping from system to system. Does that sound familiar, folks? Um, and there is just no way to systematically progress when variety is used high. So there you go. There's the health news. <laughs> We wow 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 all right so 
So the, keep in mind, folks, that the health news does not necessarily reflect the opinions or the thoughts of the hosts and the directors of Dynamic Business Talk Radio. Just sharing that all there with you. So, anyway. All right. Um, so, you know what, folks? Oops, sorry. My, uh, my computer is honking out on me here. So, did you know today is the debut of Cat's new segment, and it's called uh, Cat's Corner, and uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. You get to ask a question. We already have a question, however, uh, because today's pretty much Ask Anything Day. Uh, feel free to give us a call to talk directly to Cat and ask questions, and you, or you can ask both of us questions in regards to martial arts or whatever. So here we go with Cat Carter. All right. So the question is, Cat, are, are you listening? Yes, I'm okay. here. <laughs> now I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten who had submitted this question, but the question is in two parts. Okay. So what what are your thoughts now on coaching versus competing? That's part one. And part two, did you consider being a coach and sense that into kickboxing? There you go. Okay. Um, what are my thoughts on coaching versus kickboxing? Yeah. Um, like what do you which which do you like better? You know how do they how do they uh, apply to each other? That kind of thing. Well, if I have a coach that I I respect and I know I can learn from, then you know for me being trained by somebody who I, I, whose opinion I value and respect is I think um, incredibly rewarding just for my own personal benefit. However, as a coach, um, and I've been a coach, you know, I've been an instructor in martial arts since I was 19. I, I, I can't, I can't replace the feeling of satisfaction or awe or compassion when I see students who are struggling and, you know, then they finally pick up something that they've been working on for a long time and, and, and they finally get it and to watch them grow and evolve and, and become, you know, wonderful human beings as a little kid and, you know, become amazing adults and do wonderful things with their lives. I mean, I, fighting is great, um, but coaching is far more rewarding, I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. Coaching and teaching. Now, did you did you consider being a coach when you got into kickboxing? Like when you first got into kickboxing, did you go, oh, hey, I want to be a coach one day? <laughs> no, I was too busy um, figuring out what the hell I was going to do. I was too busy getting the crap beat out of me by all my sparring partners who were men who had already had years of experience and I knew nothing, literally nothing. So, you know, it was a, it was a, a game of catch up. And, uh, you know, I hit the ground running and figured it out as I went. So I didn't even consider the thought of coaching kickboxing until, you know, obviously much later when I was more established in my my craft and what I was doing. And I actually had a clue. But 
you know, I've had some good coaches and, you know, learning from them and also learning from my own personal experiences, learning from, you know, other fighters that I see and what they go through. Uh, that certainly has helped me as a coach, but it never crossed my mind when I first got into it, kickboxing, that I was going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Well, I reiterating on that, I, I, I'm going to uh, get in on this question too. Um, so, when you started coaching, was it that someone asked you to teach them or you just kind of went, Oh, Hey, you know, I, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's coach. Well, I think I just naturally fell into it because once I was a, a more established um, competitor in kickboxing, we had fighters from all over the world come to our gym and ask us to train them. And, mm-hmm. You know, I just took over, took that role. I wasn't, you know, obviously the only person coaching them, but, you know, I I was also one one of the people coaching their sparring, uh, their training. I'd take them running. I'd work with them on their nutrition. I'd, you know, do strength and conditioning with them. So mm-hmm. I just kind of naturally progressed into that, into doing that. But I was still fighting and competing professionally at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. So nobody really necessarily came and said, "Hey, can you train me for this fight?" I mean, they did, but they didn't. You know, it was, um, "Hey, I want, I'd like to come and train with you for two weeks." And so they would come and stay at our house and sleep in our spare bedroom, and I'd get them up in the morning and take them running and and uh, work with them in that respect. Take them into the gym, get them the sparring they needed, or if it was they were close to my weight, I would spar with them mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, it was just something that we did at the time. I didn't think that I would eventually become a coach or, you know, have a desire to coach, although I really love teaching um, because I learn an awful lot when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. I guess the two go hand in hand. So it's pretty valuable for me, but um, it wasn't it wasn't the for, first thing on my mind. I remember when – I don't know. I, I, I don't remember – when exactly, but I, I like you know how long uh, how long of the time it was until I got my black belt. But I remember waking up one day and literally thinking, "I want my own dojo." And this was not even like six months after after I had gotten my black belt. So I was fifteen, and I woke up one day and I went, "You know, someday I want my own dojo." <laughs> <laughs> don't don't know why. Um, years, years milling about in the community center and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, but in, but you know what, Kat? You know, there's a whole bunch of people out there glad that you're coaching. A whole bunch of people. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you must have taught thousands. Thousands of people, and yeah, it's that's that's amazing. That's amazing. I think one of the one of the you know I think more rewarding accomplishments was taking somebody from from brand new, walking their first day into the gym to if they, and they stuck with me to winning world titles, and I've, <laughs> I've done that, 
and it's uh, incredibly amazing to see the progress and the ups and downs, <laughs> the injuries, the the setbacks, the the triumphs, everything. Right. It's an incredible journey. Right. And that's a that's a good segue into our the actual subject, one of the subjects of this show, and that's martial arts success stories. So you are listening or watching, and you're a martial arts instructor. Uh, we'd like to hear some of your success, uh, success stories of your students. And uh, even if you're a student, um, not an instructor, and you've witnessed the, uh, the benefits and the transformation uh, that it's brought to people, uh, give us a call, 347-677-0699. Um, in fact, here, let me, get the, uh, let me get the actual phone number here. There we go, 347-677-0699. All right, now, Bob Robinson is writing in, and he says, I have a question, and um, so, Bob, is this question for Kat, or is this question for both of us? But I'm going to have Kat answer it first. <laughs> so, uh, okay, what is the question? Bob writes, as I have personally utilized the simple front kick in actual combat, I have a question. Do you prefer to strike with the ball of the foot or apply impact with the heel during a front kick if you are kicking to the sternum? When I have utilized it, it resembled more of a front kick. Oh, he's asking both of us. But, Kat, you get to go first. Well, I have used the front kick in both um, altercations out in public as well as in in uh, my MMA and Muay Thai fights, kickboxing fights. And I tend to strike with the ball of the foot. I feel it has more penetration and more accuracy. I like to pinpoint and hit specific targets rather than... I mean, I, I, I have hit the sternum. I've also hit the face. And I've um, I found that to be really effective rather than using my entire foot or just a heel. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just like the ball of the foot. To me, it's more like a bullet than a board. Right. Right. I like that answer. More like a bullet than a board. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to remember that. All right. So for me, um, I've, I've used the front foot only a few times. Most, most of the time it was when I was in the Golden Angel, Guardian Angels when they were actually here in Seattle. I was a member of the Guardian Angels for about uh, two years and um, led patrols and stuff like that. And you know how it's always when you're breaking up a domestic dispute out in public. Is it considered a domestic dispute if you're out in public? (laughs) It depends if if there's a physical altercation. You know, are they are they duking it out? <laughs> well, you know, in this case, they were. You know, we couldn't tell if if, if for this one for this one uh, um, instance, we got a call, and we went to we went to the area, and there was a man and a woman in an alley near a dumpster, and you couldn't have you couldn't miss that this was going on because they were yelling and screaming at each other. And by the time we got there, they were swinging and. You know, you could hear, you know, fists hitting face. It was, it was ugly. So, you know, we made a formation around them, and I came up on them, and I said, "Hey, you know, is everything okay? Is everything okay?" And they're, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah." And the lady was like, "He, 
in this old thing. I don't, I don't remember what the story was, but, you know, pointing fingers and stuff. Meanwhile, the police were called and the police were on their way. But the guy told me to mind my own business. And I said, all right. I threw my hands up. I said, all right, we're just backing up. We're just making sure that everything's okay. And he went to go swing at me. So I ducked and I went, whoa, hey, you know, what's going on? And he started calling me every name in the book, you know, bitch, pussy, motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. And you know, inside I'm teasing, but you know, guardian angels, guardian, guardian angels are supposed to just take it, right? We're just supposed to take it and, you know, not start anything. But next thing you know, this guy picks up this two by four and all I see is this two by four with nails in it. And I'm like, oh my God, Yikes. I'm going to die. So he swings again and I duck and I aim for his shin first. His shin was right there and I popped it with the ball of my foot. And then I popped the side of his knee with the ball of my foot. And, you know, cat's right. You know, with a bullet rather than a board, it's more accurate. In fact, sometimes if I have an angle right, I will use the ball of my foot for a round kick instead of my shin. Um, I just make, I just have to make that choice if I've got the correct angle on a, on the, you know, lateral side of a knee or somebody's temple or somebody's chin or whatever. But there were other times, you know, going out of patrols where I've had to use a stomp kick, quote unquote, aka oblique kick yes. or kick or a check kick, right? Um, using the Yongchuan part of the foot. That would be the middle of the sole of your foot. Um, and there have been other times where I've had to use my heel when it came to someone that was like on their knees or, or downed, you know, to the ribs, I would use my heel. So, you know, to, to ask what part that we prefer, I guess it would depend on what we are dealing with, right? So, Pretty much. So. I remember... There was a bar that I was um, bouncing in when I was a kid, in my 20s, and I saw, I was at the front door of the restaurant, which is the back door of the bar. Um, mm-hmm. A man was walking out, and a woman was following behind him, and I could I could just feel the anger coming off this guy. And I looked mm-hmm. at her right away, and she had this very dejected, scared, I'm, I'm following behind him because I don't want to be next to him because he's going to hit me kind of mm-hmm. look. And I followed her out, and sure enough, at some point when they got to the parking lot, he turned and backhanded her in the face, and I bolted, got in between them, and I looked at him, and I said, you are not allowed to touch her anymore. And, of course, you know, he got into some verbal banter back and forth, and I just said, I I, I didn't look at her, but I said to her, do you want to go home with this man? And she said, no. And I said... Mm -hmm. In my mind, that was all the permission I needed. <laughs> I looked at the guy and said, she's not going home with you. You need to leave now or, or I'm going to call the police. Mm-hmm. She stayed behind me. And I could I could see him step forward with his left foot and, and start edging his back foot, his right, his, his right foot behind him and edging his mm-hmm. arm behind him. He's getting ready to just swing and hit me. And right. I thought, really? <laughs> So I stomped on his front knee with a front kick, not with a side kick. I don't know why, but I just stomped on his front knee. And as soon as I did that, he started to buckle, and then I kicked him in the nuts, and then I kneed him in the face. And I love front kicks. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, I love them, too, because they're, they're damn quick. They're, you know, front kicks are. are quick. You know, if you know how to throw one, front kicks are, are quick, and they can be accurate. Um uh, now, of course, there are people 
um, and we're getting comments. Yes, it is. It's stronger in the sense that it's aligned with your shit. So, you know, from a physics standpoint, yes, it, it, it can be stronger. However, you know, a good front kick, you know, at the right range to the lateral side of a knee will, will still buckle somebody, you know. And uh, then there's that story that Pat told about completely, you know, doubling some 300-pound guy over with a front kick. The ball of her foot, folks. The ball of her foot. <laughs> Your foot must have disappeared into that guy. <laughs> you know what? It did. And I sprained my ankle so badly on that kick. But when I set my foot down, I was not going to let anybody know that that happened. <laughs> no way. <laughs> But at at some point later, they lifted up his shirt, and they could see this huge footprint on his stomach. (laughs) It was not good and funny at the same time. (laughs) Right. Well, um, Bob writes in, and he goes, well, you know, here's something to consider. A front kick with the ball has more limited effect when contacting body armor. Maybe that's the same problem if they have a leather jacket or such. So that's his... uh, I can see body armor having a problem with that. I mean, as far well, yeah. as penetration. Yeah, and leather you know, jacket. It's definitely more of a stomp if you're using all your foot or your heel. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to use a, a ball of foot um, on someone wearing, like, let's say a leather jacket. Um, and, then, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Bob, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm unpacking boxes right now. And uh, I found my old leather jacket, my old plastic leather jacket, you know, no armor in it or anything like that. It was just my, you know, my old leather jacket that I, you know, used to wear in the late eighties when I was writing and um, damn it, if I can't zip it, but I realized that, you know, it's, it's very, it, it feels like armor. It it feels like armor. Um, it feels very sturdy. You know, I, if I were to get, into a knife fight, I would I have just a little bit more of an advantage if I zipped up this particular jacket um, in a knife fight. Um, I mean, granted, someone will eventually cut through it, but I feel like I would have a little bit more of an advantage. Um, that being said, you know, I don't know if I would kick someone with a ball of my foot into a leather jacket or or even, like even my heel into a leather jacket or body armor because it was just, you know, it was just pushing back at that point. Would I break a knee? Oh, you bet. <laughs> With a yeah. Ball. You know what? You know? I'd happily side stomp somebody in the knee. I don't know about front kick, but I'd side stomp their knee any, yeah. every single time. I'd be happy yeah. to. I mean, especially yeah. if they're wearing a jacket, you know, that's not the sort of thing you can really readily get through as well. Um, yeah. But, they're not wearing armor on their on their legs. Exactly. <laughs> Typically, unless, you know, somebody in SWAT is attacking you or something, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just when you raise your hands and get on your knees, comply, yeah. right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, Bob goes, exactly my point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, and, and speaking of, like, clothing, I mean, any – Anything, like even if someone is wearing like, you know, a heavy parka, a winter parka or something like that. I really don't know if I'm going to be kicking someone in the, in the, in the 
ribs with a ball of footcake. Um, I do know with the leather jacket that I found that if someone tried to punch me in the gut, I'd take it because it it does. It feels like armor, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I mean, granted, you know, I, I, I think me personally, I could still probably get a rib broken if someone threw like, you know, just a nice, you know, hook into my floating rib or something. I'd probably get a rib broken um, through that leather jacket. But, you know, a front kick to the stomach or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd choose that. I, I'd probably choose, you know, front kick in the, in the shins, side stomping, you know, uh, the lateral side of their knee. And then ball of foot kicking them square in the face. <laughs> Amen, sister. That sounds like stuff I've done before. There you go. <laughs> oh, in the comments. But to finish that story about the guardian angel, um, yeah, yeah, I put the guy down. The police came, and of course, you know, hands up in the air, <laughs> that kind of thing. And you know, don't go running to the police saying you're the good guy because a uh, guardian angel was shot and killed because um, he thought he was the good guy and uh, started running to the police told them to stop and they shot him down. Um, you know, and a lot of people were saying he was wearing his colors. He was wearing his beret. He was wearing his t-shirt. I'm sorry. You know, even if you're a police officer, you know, and they're dealing in a, you know, high, stress situation and you know they're under duress or whatever they're not going to stop and read your beret they're not going to stop and read your shirt with the little letters that say guardian angels civic patrol they're not going to read that but just so you know folks if you ever get into an altercation the police come just throw your hands up in the air and expect to be you know questioned and taken down or even the back of a car and it's all good it's nothing against you they don't know who's who just remember that, folks. Anyway, Tony Collins is listening and watching. He's like, hey, everyone, sorry I'm late. And Joe Franklin says, heavy clothing calls for redirecting the kick to the face, right into the mug. Front kick right in the mug. Um, <laughs> John Lupo writes, I have a zombie apocalypse fiction where people wear leather jackets because the zombies have a harder time biting through them. <laughs> oh, my God. Damn zombies. Damn zombies. <laughs> and Bobby Edmonds writes, how you doing, Bobby? How you doing, brother? Bobby Edmonds writes, the police are a broadsword, not a scalpel. Anyhow, so let me go ahead and check the phone lines here. Um, here we are opening the phone lines, folks. Um, actually, let's do this. Let's do this. Um Let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about martial arts success stories. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 347-677-0699. And we'll also be talking, we'll also be uh, talking, answering a question about, what is this, why there are karate gays or something like or something like that. Why there are karate gis the meaning of the karate gi and and the belts and stuff like that so yeah um and if you have questions also feel free to feel free to give us a call 
877-767-0699. So let's go ahead and switch it up to a three-minute break. And when we come back, we'll talk about martial arts success stories. We'll be right back after this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it... Be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. You're just now tuning in. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rusty and Pat. We're missing Bob tonight because he's at the Martial Arts History Museum at the Rob Moses Day. Um, but give us a call, 347-677-0699. We are going to be talking about martial arts success 
stories, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, the listeners out there, whether you're a instructor in martial arts or a student. And if you've seen uh, people grow by leaps and bounds, um, have witnessed a, an incredible transformation in uh, students, we want to hear those kind of stories. Because, you know, a lot of times people people think that martial arts is all about the kick and punch and all about, will it work in the ring? Uh, don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> um, but a lot, people, a lot of people forget that um, there are other benefits to the martial arts other than getting strong, getting fit, you know, learning how to submit people, how to, how to make people tap out and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. So we want to hear, we want to hear your stories. Three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Let's check the board here. What? Nobody's calling. Is it just going to be me and Kat? So <laughs> what's up with that? Well, well, well. Well, well. I know. Now let's get to the comments here because you know if you guys must, you guys can call uh, can write in the comments below or below depending on how your how your uh, browser is. Uh, uh, looking at the comments, it's up below or to the side somewhere. Um, you can actually write your questions in the comments, questions, or you can share your stories in the comments. So <clears throat> with that said, though, um, Kat, you want to start with any success stories? I'm sure you've got a ton, a ton <laughs> of success stories out there. <laughs> You know, I was just thinking of one that, um, well, two that really, really come to mind. Um, one was I was at uh, Dragon Fest, this last Dragon Fest, and then mm-hmm. um, an older man came to me and he said, I don't know if you remember me, but when you lived in Bakersfield and you were in the, you know, you had your school there and you were kickboxing and you were winning world titles. I saw you in the mall in Bakersfield and I had my two daughters with me and they came up and I brought them up to you and they wanted an autograph. And I said, and, and you told them, this is what he was saying to me. You told them to, that you would do something better, that you invited them to your school and we came to your school. You, you took them on a tour you showed them some martial arts. You gave them some lessons. You signed autographs for them. You took pictures with them. And that was just something that, you know, they were wow. interested in martial arts, but they hadn't really had any great interest in it until they met you. And then they've been training in martial arts ever since. And now my granddaughters are training in martial arts because of what you did. You were willing to bring them into your school, take them on a tour, talk to them, answer their questions, take pictures and all that. Just because of that, you know, they, they've now become champions in the style of martial arts that they were in. Wow. Wow. Doesn't that just make you feel good when you, when you hear stuff like that? You know, I was just, doing what I thought was the right thing to do. I just thought, you know, I'm here in the mall. It'd be better if you came to my school. I could give you a photo. I mean, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're in a mall. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather, yeah, I mean, since you live here in Bakersfield, come to my school. 
You know, I just thought it was a, a nicer thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But the second the second story was a young man who came to us when he was 16 years old, 15, I think. And he suffered from severe anxiety mm-hmm. to the point where he would um, crawl up in bed and just lay there shaking and not be able to function or move or eat or sleep or do anything other than just shiver and just shake. And he had a hard time in school. He had a hard time speaking to people. The fact that he was able to come to us with his parents, it was just a remarkable feat just for him to come and talk to us. So I would sit with him and and teach him how to breathe and talk to him about what was going on in his mind when he had, when he would have an anxiety attack mm-hmm. and I would help him work through it physically, emotionally, mentally. I'd help him talk through it and he stuck with me and, and eventually, I mean, he loved soccer when he came to us, you know, he, uh, we got him into kickboxing and, and mm-hmm. into martial arts, but he went through high school and eventually graduated high school, went on to college, graduated college, and now he's a tutor and he teaches kids boxing. Wow. How badass is yeah. that? It's wow. amazing. It really is amazing to watch him go from, you know, not being able to function at all and just every time he'd think about school or he'd get so anxious that he just couldn't function and wouldn't leave the house. Wow. To now he's tutoring kids and teaching boxing and having a great time. That's badass. That is badass. Because, you know, having an, having an anxiety disorder, it's, it's real. It's, it's, and it's, you know, and, and it's not, oh, just snap out of it. You're doing the blah, blah, blah. You can't. You know, it's, it's it's hard. I've I've had students with um, anxiety uh, disorders, and it, it's just it's just so hard. And, and like you said, you know, martial arts help them too. John Lupo writes, quote unquote, I'm kind of interested in the stories about people that get turned away by other places, but find that right teacher. It sounds like a cheesy cliche, but I'm sure there are actually stories like that. And I wrote, John Lupo, I have a story in regards to that. So if anyone wants to hear that story, just raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my hand's raised. (laughs) (laughs) Just just waiting for people to raise their hands in the comments. How are they going to do that, right? Okay. (laughs) Thumbs up, thumbs up. (laughs) Right? I have a recent black belt. He got his black belt a couple months ago. His name's Marso. He originally started taking karate at a dojo in downtown Seattle. He he started out there. He was 16, 17. He was 17. And uh, now Marso Marso has several conditions. Um he's got um uh, uh, forgot what the personality disorder is. Um, there's a name for it. Oh yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, schizophrenic, and he's got another another. I forgot what it is. He's got another condition. He's got several conditions, but he's had to take a ton 
of medication just so he can function. And even then, you know, it took years and years for doctors to figure out the right combination of meds to allow him to function but not be a zombie, right? And, you know, so and because of it, he had um, learning a learning disability, you know, at the time he couldn't read a clock. Like, you know, what time is it? He couldn't read a clock. He'd tell you what time it was. Wow. Um, he couldn't spell. He could write letters, but he couldn't spell words. He, um, he couldn't read very well either outside of comics and stuff like that. And, um, oh, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was awful at the, at the time. And anyway, he started taking karate and I kid you not, the teacher there told him to his face, you'll never make it to Orange Belt. To his face. Orange Belt. Orange Belt is the first rank in that particular style of karate. So you're a white belt and an orange belt first rank. You're never going to make it to Orange Belt. Not like that. And you know what? According to his mother, he stayed for another couple months, even though he got told that. Because, you know, at the time, he didn't understand the connotation behind those teachers' words. He didn't understand, you know, and, and you know, still a little bit to this day, um, he still has trouble with social cues. So I don't know if he has Asperger's, John, um, but he does have trouble recognizing social cues. Um, and I mean, I heard yeah, but there's no sorts. connotation in you'll never make it to Orange Belt. That's a direct statement. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is, you know, but he, he didn't understand the, I guess the, uh, he didn't understand the meaning behind it, you know, he, and he didn't understand the wow. intention that was behind it. Because according to the mother, because the mother was in the lobby when, when, this guy told Marceau this, you know, you'll never make it to Orange Belt. My God. What are you thinking? You know, it, it was like that, right? Why are you here? Oh, I get it. And he had no idea that the mother was there. And mother literally walked into the floor, you know, the hell are you telling my son? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, wow. she pulled him out of there, lady split. Now, that man's uncle, Marceau's uncle, was a current student of mine. So Marvin said, you know, seeing at the time, I was seeing at the time, seeing, you know, my nephew, I really think he can really benefit from, from your classes. Will you teach him? I said, sure. Um, and he goes, well, there's a story behind it, and I'll let my sister tell you. So anyway, Marceau's mom came in and told me the whole story about how the teacher, you know, treated him like he was stupid and, and told him to his face, you'll never make it to Orange Belt, and blah, blah, blah. And that pissed me off. It pissed me off to hear that a martial arts instructor would be so callous and, and cruel and basically, you know, try to kick him out, you know. And, demeaning and, and humiliating at the same time. It it's was, horrible. It was, humiliating you don't say that kind of shit to someone in the middle of a class you know i mean what's that going to make all the other students do you know is that going to make them like step up and not be stupid 
because they're afraid of being kicked out. I mean, if that if that was the the, the way he taught, and you know, I still hope that school is closed. Personally, you know, um, but oh, man, just pissed me off. So I said, you know what, Marvin? Sure, I'll take your nephew. And I looked Felicia straight in the eye and I said, I'll I'll take your son. Now, how old is he? He's 17. Well, anyway, he comes out of the car and he comes inside. And, you know, it, it it was obvious that, you know, he's had this condition for a while. I mean, for 17 years old, he looked like maybe a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. He looked very young, you know. Um, so, you know, the, 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 I guess the growth um, sequence or whatever was, was a little bit you know, delayed in that, in that aspect. And, and I said, Marcel, how old are you, son? And 17, ma'am. I'm like, he knows his manners. So what's up with that? Now he joined and it's taken him literally four times longer for him to get a black belt. He joined when he was 17 folks. He is 32 now, 30. And he just now got his black belt. Just now. And he never quit. He never missed a day unless he was sick. Ever. Never missed a day. He doesn't drive. He takes the uh, access bus and he he calls in whenever he's going to. He schedules that himself and this and that and the other. And you know what, folks? And it's taken him this long. How many years is that? 17, 32. How many years is that, folks? Can we do enough for me? <laughs> it's uh, 15 years. 15, 15 years. 15 years, and he just now got his black belt. And here's why. You know, because of his conditions and the medications that he's had to take, it's take it, it, it takes him a while to remember. It takes him a while. And... I had, for all these years, I had to make sure that that when he was in a class, that I would break down everything to its simplest components and not get too technical and not get too, you know, fortune cookie woo-woo as far as philosophy. Um, and, you know, I found that during that time, it was just good for everybody, you know. Now, of course, if people wanted the fortune cookie woo-woo or whatever, they would just catch it the class. But... Um, but, you know, teaching, teaching Marcel really taught me a lot about teaching over the last 15 years. Um, and he, I would say, is the first success story that's come to mind. Um, granted, he's not the only one. I mean, you know, I've had kids, you know, with ADD, ADHD. I've had kids with Asperger's. I've had kids with autism, um, I teach a uh, high-functioning autistic right now, private lesson, and he's come leaps and bounds from not being able to pay attention at all and running around at breakneck pace to being able to watch and and learn and do something and remember a sequence and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, just within six months. And, you know, it's, it's these kind of stories, folks, that I guess – keeps us coaching, keeps us teaching. So with that in mind, we want to hear your stories. <laughs> Don't let it just be me. 
We've got people calling in. We've got area code 704. 704, you're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? This is Pat McDaniel. How are you? Professor Pat Pick, how are you? I'm all right. How about you guys? I'm good. I'm That's sure good. you've got a ton of success stories. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I just kind of chimed in, and I, I caught your stories, and it gave me an idea. Uh, you know, based on listening to you, what you guys are talking about. I've got a question mm-hmm. for you, though. Sure. In the in the 15 years it took you to uh, to promote him to black belt, I want to know um, with that 15 year period, was there any other kind of um, accomplishment, degrees, or merits that you gave him, you know, like the other guys might be testing for a different rank in so many months, but he didn't test for a rank, but maybe a degree or something like that, you know what I mean? Some kind of merit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He got stripes, uh, you know, with all of our, all of our ranks, um, you get stripes. Um, And the, the challenge at the time was he was, able to earn the stripes, but in right. the in the in the time it took to earn a next stripe it was um you would forget previous requirements. Okay. Uh, forget previous right. forms. Right. So, you know right. that that allowed me to change up how I reviewed forms and taught forms. And God like yeah, that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know? And, I, and yeah, that's what I was interested in. Yeah. I wanted to know if you if you did give him some sense of accomplishment as he's watching other people progress, you know, mm-hmm. was he still able to keep a, you know, sense of, uh, you know, accomplishment for himself? Okay, yeah, I, I made it to the next stripe or I made it to the next degree or this next merit mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah, that's beautiful because I'm teaching a couple of autistic kids right now. And uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the ADHD, that's, you know, that's uh, that's not new to me at all. I've always had a dozen of those. You know, yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, we, we've done well. Yeah, amen. Well. So have I. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, we've done, you know, we've done well with those. Uh, and I am, I am challenged right now because I have a couple of of autistic kids, uh, and we're doing we're doing well. Uh, and like you just said, you have to kind of kind of modify your your concept of how to deliver the messages to them. You know, but uh, yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to hear. Yeah, I'm glad I heard what you said about that student, you know, because this is the first time I've had to, to really kind of nail down, you know, a concept of teaching the autistic kids, and they're pretty high functioning, but they've got yeah. their they've got their ways that uh, definitely, you know, draw, draws attention, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we I, yeah, I think we're doing well. I was I was glad to hear you say that. The child that I'm teaching now privately, um, we tried him in the group class, but. Um, yes. We found that it was it was too much stimulation for him. Okay. He really okay, wanted it. You. He really wanted it. So yeah. that told me that he was willing to be sociable and he was willing to work mm-hmm. right. at being able to try to function with that many people in a class. But it was really right. tough for him. Really tough for him. I so, you. Um, you know, his parents and and he both agreed. Okay, private instruction, um, or even you know one or two other people in his class would be great, right. but not yeah. for a small group. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I've had other you know autistic kids. Um, I had one uh, child. His name was Michael, 
still is Michael. He's no longer in class right now because he's, <laughs> okay. you know, he's busy with busy with other activities. But um, I learned from Michael that I have to say what I mean and not use, um, you know, uh, uh, certain slang or certain jargon or uh, cliché or anything like that. I had to say what I mean. So if I said, you know, right. something like, Jimmy, why are you running around like a chicken with your head cut off, right? Oh, got you, yeah. He <laughs> would take it very literally, and he would just start right. laughing hysterically because <laughs> he'd never heard that phrase before because his own mother would never use, you know. Um, exactly, exactly. Would never use terms yeah, like exactly. that. And, and, so and I he's had probably to, not accustomed to being with large groups anywhere, you know. Yeah, so To yeah. hear other it people was, in society use those different slangs and jargon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it I was, got you. It was tough, and, <laughs> you know, and but, yeah, in Marceau's case, you know, when Kat's met Marceau, he's, he doesn't have, he's one of those, he's one of those guys that, I feel couldn't lie. I got you. Like, I feel he couldn't lie because I don't think he understands the concept of lying to get out of trouble. And deceiving, right? I got you. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't think he understands that. Um, right. And he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that is jealous. So if he sees other people getting their, you know, purple belt or their green belt or whatever, you know, and he's yeah. behind, he doesn't look at them and go, why, why, why ain't I there? Gotcha. Why ain't okay. Great. he's not that yeah. kind of, not that kind of guy. Yeah, um, I've been here longer than they have. Problem. Yeah, I got you. Exactly. Exactly. He was never okay. that, never that kid yeah. as a uh, young adult, and and not now. He was always the first come to class and the last to leave um, and the first okay. to start okay. stuff. yeah so you know I guess I lucked out in that aspect you know because you know mm-hmm. we've all had students that go well how come he got promoted before I did you know, of course, of well, course. Yeah. you know we've always got those yeah. you know gotten those kind of students and he was never one of them got and, it. Uh, got yeah and he knew yeah, that in a black belt that he had to have all the requirements and that I wasn't going to make you know, a special, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. And he exactly. and he said, whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. I went, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm very impressed that he stayed stayed in it and showed that kind of commitment and dedication to, to getting his black belt. That's outstanding. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And it says, you know, it says a lot for you as well, you know, as a teacher, because that's what a, that's what a teacher is. A teacher learns, you know, um, as, yes, as that student approaches you, if you can't, if you can't learn from your students, you're not going to go very far yourself. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. Janie, Janie Larkin Meiser has written in and she says, I have a child with Asperger. Um, uh, he finished his first color belt test after a year of working with him. I was nervous, yeah. but he nailed his test and he is now a yellow belt. Yay! Very good. Very good. Hey. Yay! I know. That's awesome. That's big congrats. You get you get some crowd cheering here, Janie. Here you go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. 
And uh, Rose Jimenez writes in, and she writes, not ego-driven. He's a good soul with integrity. Thank you, Rose. Right. And Lindsay, right, right. Lindsay Montoya writes with a question, what do you do when they don't really listen? Lazy? I found out he can't read. Seven years old. Some special needs. Okay. Well, well, let's uh, let's uh, since we have Professor Patrick on the line, Professor Patrick, if you if you've uh, got some time, I think we can all address this question. What do you do when they just don't listen or are lazy uh, and can't read? That's, Seven years. Yeah. That's Seven where years. that's where you just have to be have to be extremely creative. Uh, there's always a way to get somebody's attention now. Uh, and, and don't expect for their attention span, just they know who they are. You don't always expect right. for their attention span to be as long as some of the others. But if you mm-hmm. can get them to pay attention to just little bits at a time, and it's basically what, you, you know, what you're doing with the, with the autistic children as well, uh, mm-hmm. if you can get them to pay attention to just a little bit of a, at, a, at a time, well, they can, they can make some progress. All right, I can teach you ten moves because I've got your attention span. But this one, I can only teach five, and it works. You know, if you've got that five down, then you make them understand how important it is to master those three to five moves, to do well with those three to five moves. And I'll let you stick with that for a while. I'm still trying to be creative, and I'm trying to be a bit entertaining as well, you know, and uh, to get their attention. And I'll crack a joke, whatever, whatever, whatever is needed. I'll crack a joke, you know, and, and, and we, can, we can go back and forth with some, with some, uh, some, some banter, you know, that amuses them just to keep his attention and, and make him progress, you know. But I've had that several times, so I've, I've worked it out quite well. Anything you can do to get their attention, and don't expect for it to last as long as the other, the other students, and you'll do fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to go back to what C.J. Imperato wrote when he says no two people are the same. So as you go in teaching, you have to go in teaching with that understanding and that concept. No two people are the same. You know, so sure. if I'm going to teach. It's true. I'm going to, I've got to be prepared, you know, to, to meet these different characters and personalities, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. You're right about that. And something I've experienced is, you know, anybody can parrot information. Okay, I was told this. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you what I was told. Right. I'm going to show right. you what I was shown. Right. But right. to understand how that person learns and to be able to impart that knowledge to them the way they will absorb it the best that's a sign of a true educator, not a teacher necessarily. Right. So that's a good point you make there, the, the difference between educator and a teacher. Because you know, we've all met those teachers that uh, just say, okay, do this. <laughs> you know, do what I do. And, uh, and uh, down for that person. So... Um, now, I have to accept the fact that I'm probably going to be running to catch up my whole time in class. And I don't mean that in a <laughs> self-defense sense, <laughs> just a reality. Um, um, and Michael Pinkney writes in, yeah, well, he's just doing the best he can. There should be another method of training him. There are more ways of doing the same thing. Um are you, uh, Michael, are you talking about the, the child that Lindsay Mensua was um, asking about? Um, now, Lindsay writes back and he says he can stay in attention for an hour, though. Very capable, too, when he does listen. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, see. Rose Jimenez writes, I've always strived to be a better teacher than my teachers were. <laughs> That's right, awesome. Right, right. We got Cecil Peoples watching. Hi, Cecil. How you doing? Awesome. So um, if you guys are giving us a call um, at 347-677-0699, if you want to talk with us live, make sure you press the one button on your telephone keypad to be let into the caller queue. And we have someone that wants to get in on the caller queue. We've got area code 417. Area code 417, you're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? Hi, Rusty. It's Tony. Hey, Tony. How you doing, man? Wonderful. How about yourself? Really good. We got Grandmaster Tony Collins on the line with us. Tony let's, Collins, let's... I haven't heard from you in a long time, Tony. How you doing? Wonderful. How about yourself, Pat? Hey, man, I'm all right. I always enjoy talking and listening to you. Glad you're on. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I enjoy your stories too, brother. <laughs> right on. You have a story, I'm sure. I do. I told it once before, and I don't know if you remember it, but it bears telling again because the young lady kind of struck me so much. Uh, This was a good 20 years ago, and this was back when I I first came to the Nevada area. And it's not quite as... uh, as involved as as yours was or, or anything like that, but, uh, you know, she deserves all the credit that I can possibly give her. This uh, heavy-set student that I had had a real serious problem with being able to actually move properly, with, you know, being able to circle her hands properly, being able to get into right. a cat stand, get that right. kick in, get that chop in. You know, her her moves looked... And I'm sorry, you're probably not going to understand the term. My tempo as friends out there would, but not everybody would. We would call it constipated tempo. She would step back all stiff and do everything all stiff and everything rigid. almost with a straight right. arm. She looked like a right. robot. Yeah, and linear rigidness. Yes, indeed. Completely rigid, and, and I just I couldn't even hardly get her to bend an arm or a leg. And Right. I don't. I, I do my best to never give up on anybody. I really do. But exactly. I, I always had a saying that if after a while I couldn't teach a person, the last thing that I was going to teach them is to kick the person in the groin, punch them in the face, and then run. Okay. Well, after almost three years with her moving like that, I was just about there. I had just had a private lesson with her that lasted about three, three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And she just still was not getting these movements down. And as I came in, I, I sat down and I looked my good buddy in the face, a uh, friend of mine, Roy, and I shook my head no. And he's, he, you know, just kind of like, I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I mean, she's paid for classes. She's paid for private lessons, all this stuff. So I felt like she was kind of wasting her money. Well, she mm-hmm. goes to, she lives with her grandma, and she goes to her grandma's house, and she positions herself in a small barn door. I don't mean the big opening barn doors. I mean, she positioned herself into a regular size door. And again, this is a, a fairly big woman. She's not, she wasn't small. She's not even short. She saw her knee. And while okay. in the position of that door, she, she stood in the middle of the door. She stepped back. She hit the door frame with her fist and just obliterated it. 
got in wow. her cat stance, kicked the bottom wow. of the door frame, leave, I mean, just destroying it, too, and then passed her right hand right back through where she had done her initial hammer fist so that she got that X shape just perfect out of that, just boom, and just right wow. in there. And when she came to class, wow. which I had a class before I had private lessons, she came to class and she sat up with me, and I mean she intentionally sat up with me. I'm I'm standing up there t- teaching the class and everything. I broke right. broke everybody up to train with whomever you're training with, and she says I'd like to do delayed sword, sir. And I went, oh okay, sure, yeah, we can do delayed sword. Thank God I had a cup on. <laughs> that snap kick was amazing. Wow. I mean, I went to throw my right punch at her. She dropped that hammer fist in, and I'm like, ow. And then the next thing I know, there's a kick to the groin and a chop to the side of my neck, and I'm sitting there thinking, and the next thing we teach her is control. Oh, my goodness. My eyes felt like they were going in the back of my head. I'm like, wow. And I looked at her, and she was just grinning from ear to ear. And then she showed me pictures that she took. Her grandmother was ticked off at me. <laughs> she showed me pictures that she took of that barn that she destroyed like that. And she said, this is what I did to the barn. She said, I did this delayed sword on this. And I said, well, don't do that on my throat growing stuff ever again. <laughs> I mean, she just... I never had a problem with her again as far as flow was concerned. The woman just got it down from then and there. I mean, sort of destruction looked perfect, alternating maces. Uh, just everything just down to perfection. She got hip movement, foot movement, all sorts of things. And I'm like, wow, it was like somebody hit the reset button on her. It was wow. great. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, did, yeah. like, did it seem like, uh, like she just woke up? One day, it, it was like and... it was like tripping a switch. Gotcha. It did. Wow. It, it was most certainly like tripping a switch. And unfortunately, four months later, she moved, and I, I never oh, wow. actually, I have never seen or heard from her again. But this is how bad wow. it got. Was my students started saying stuff like, "You're Michelleing that move." They actually named it for for the you know the okay. stiff looking stuff they would name yeah. it because her name was Michelle. You're Michelling that move. And Michelle got in on it, too. She was like, don't Michelle that move. Let me show you. You bring this foot back like this. You make sure that knee is bent. You kick that thing with some real force. Every time she said kick that with real force, she'd just look at me. And I'm just drop my head look back. Oh, God, no, anything but that. <laughs> it was great. I mean, for the, for the next, for the next three or so months that I had her, she was amazing. That's awesome. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. We've got. You're very welcome. Let's uh, let's since we have two uh, two masters, let's bring on another master out here. We've got someone from my neck of the woods, and I know who this is. This is assuming the mic comes up. This is area code two zero six, and this is Bobby Edmonds. (laughs) Bobby, how you doing, brother? (laughs) Hi, Rusty. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You're on this the line. So with I'm watching this on. I'm watching Tony. this on Facebook as well. I'm yeah. watching this on Facebook as well, and face and uh, the phone is like like about two and a half minutes ahead of time than what's coming out yeah. right. through Facebook. 
Right. Yeah. So we're living in the future. Everybody else listening to this? <laughs> yeah, we're um, living in the future. <laughs> That's right. Um, I wanted to say about that that kid you're talking about that you think you might have had Asperger's and what that uh, jackass teacher said to him. Um, yeah. I wasn't going to call in because I don't think I've got much of a success story of my own to say, but um, Rusty, do you remember back? If you remember this person, don't don't say the name, but do you remember right. back when we were training with Chris Petrelli? And there was somebody there that uh, Chris Petrelli's school was more like a, 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 a peer group. It was like everybody there was a black belt at minimum. And yeah, I, right. I, I, we were frequently crossing hands with like fifth degree masters and uh, of any system at all. But there was one person there who was not a black belt or was not had not been training for long martial arts. And everybody, mm-hmm. myself included, hated this person. We didn't want to work with this person. And we all avoided this wow. person. And we were all like that, you know, because not only was this person a beginner, they, like this other example that Sifu Rusty brought up, they missed all the social cues, and they they were very awkward uh, this person. Uh, and, yes, uh, yeah, get work with this person because no one else would. Yeah, 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 right, right. So please I just want to say, yeah, I know. so um, like everybody else there, and I was, I, this was still, I was still in my 20s. And, uh, you know, still pretty cocky and arrogant, and, I'm, you know, I'm all badass and everything. And uh, <laughs> after Chris Petrilli left, moved away, I still wasn't interested in teaching. So I was like, oh, who, who else is out there? And I went to train with Ronnie Tappick for a while. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, this person was training with Ronnie, mm-hmm, and he'd mm-hmm. taken this person on full time. And I kind of... You know, me, me and Ronnie used to spar a little bit after class and, and you know, just be alone. I, I brought up to him, I said, why are you training this person? I was like, we're, we're, you know, we didn't like this person. And Ronnie told me something. This is really profound. And it, 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 it took a long time to sink in. But he said, no, these are the people we're here to teach. Chris Petrelli's place was, was just right. a, a place where all of us got together like like a gang. where We're all like, you know, these upper rank people and, and we do this other stuff. This is what we're here for. This right. is why we are teachers. And Ronnie said yep. this to me. Ronnie, that laid-back Hawaiian dude, he's just like, no, 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 no. And, and Sifu Rusty, I've seen you for the past <clears throat> 20 years, if you can believe that, working with young adults and children. And then I've seen them come back to you as, like, college graduates, and, and, and they have children of their own sometimes. And you're always putting them up on your page. Oh, this person was my student all the time. Oh, I helped this person all the time. And this is the kind of teacher I want to be now. This right. is, you know, I don't, I don't go looking for. Right the, I think Kathy Long was the one that said it earlier, was talking about the difference between teachers and the people who just get up there and, and educators. Educators, yeah. Yeah. Educators. yeah. Um, I believe that there's a huge difference between true teachers and people who are just reciting what they have. Exactly. Exactly. I think the, the, the ideal, to, the idea to get to. I see my mission now is to get the knowledge across and to uplift the people who are coming to me for knowledge without breaking them down or being derogatory. I mean, I think the days of those, uh, those drill instructor masters are gone. I don't believe you can be that yes. anymore. Not in this day and age. And, um, and not and get away with it. Let me put it like that. But, uh, I've never, yeah, but I've never forgotten that. Is that that's, that's where the turning point happened for me was when Ronnie said, this is what we're here to do. If you're if you're running a school, if you're being a teacher, these are the people you're supposed to be talking to. He said, exactly. if you're, you just want to hang out and 
hang and bang like we did at Chris's. Should just say, hey, come on over, we'll spar. That's pretty much what Chris did. Yeah. And he did teach us. I'm, I'm not saying that, but he was talking to a, you know, a pretty live audience. We were all black belts. We were all ready to learn and eager for right. like a fat kid wants right. McDonald's. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too much later. I was, I realized, oh, we're, how, do, how do people, people stay in the martial arts rarely for the same reason they joined it. Rarely. Exactly. They get into exactly. it like, and I'm the same way. Like, like most young men, I started in the martial arts for all the wrong reasons. And I ended up staying in it because I was lucky enough to have a lot of great people around me that, kind of mm-hmm. directed me around and said, no, 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 this way, no, stop that, put that down, come over here. And that that was the changing point. For me. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know if this is a success story or not, but I just wanted to bring that up. I wanted to say that that, 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 that kind of sparked something in me when you were talking about that kid, and I remembered this person, and yeah. I remembered how I felt about this person way back then. Mm-hmm. And today that person, if, if that person was still around me, I would, be, I would take that person as a student. I would say, all right, here's here's how you change. Here's how you do this. Exactly. Uh, That's wonderful. That was wonderful. A very good lesson. It <laughs> Thank is. you. That is a success story. That is a success story. And, you know, I, I believe yes, it, it is. During that time, you know, the only thing I can think of was that it was it was more of an inconvenience to a room full of black belts to have to check that out. Very know what I mean? Point. Yeah. Well, all of us were all of us were like this. All of us were all of us were young, and we we were like in our early stages of black belt ish. I guess it was like we were like third and fourth degrees, and we were just like coming up and really starting to move and groove. And this was this person was more like a a hindrance to us. We were like, oh god, yeah. no, I don't want to have to slow things down and teach her. But it was also a great opportunity. We could have taught this person. We could have we could yeah. have right, right. given a lesson to this person. Um. But I mean, when you're young, you don't see that. Yeah. It's a different story then. Yeah. So. But it is a success story for you now. Now that you want to be the it is. teacher, I think so. Yeah. You rock, Bobby. I think so. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Russell. <laughs> okay, so that's my story. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> that rocks. All righty. Well, we've got about 15 minutes to our live feed, and I kind of want to kind of shift gears a little bit and uh, answer a question that April Vidal had asked, and which I think is funny because April, you could have just asked your husband, but it's, <laughs> but it's okay. She asked. She asked. She wanted to know about um about the meaning of the gi as it's worn in uh, martial arts like karate, judo, kempo, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm not quite sure what she meant by that, but I'm going to go ahead and start with it. Uh, one of the aspects of, you know, of, of that is why wear a gi? Why not just wear, you know, t-shirt and sweats, that kind of thing, right? And, you know, what, what's the history behind it and stuff like that. So how about I start and we just go around the table here and you guys can give your, your take on the martial arts D. Sound good? Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll start. So the gi. Let's face it, folks. It's underwear. <laughs> 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 it's, it started 
out as unfair. Yeah, I know. You know, technically, you know, when you're going out, you're like, oh, I've got this nice, crisp white bee, white gi. You are wearing something called Hanju. And it is worn under kimono. So when you see people wearing kimono and you've got like, you see the little white part, you know, underneath the, underneath the expensive silk kimono, that's hanjuban. And that is to protect the silk from, you know, sweat stains and stuff like that. And you wear that under your kimono or underneath your, uh, uh, well, not necessarily underneath your Wear that underneath a kimono. And for the guys, you know, if you were wearing like uh, Samoe or Hakama or something like that during cold weather, you would wear pants that were shorter than Hakama, of course, so they wouldn't be seen. So back in the old days, back in the days when people would practice their taijutsu or uh, jujitsu or whatever else they were uh, practicing karate, they would just, you know, come to the dojo, take off their expensive kimono and hagama, and they would work out in their underwear, which was white (laughs) most times. They didn't have black and green and camo and all those weird colors. It was white. And the under, uh, the obi that they wore under their kimono to hold the hanjuban together, that was their belt. Ta-da. So we're wearing underwear. (laughs) <laughs> All the colors came later. <laughs> but she wants to know why we wear these and stuff like that. So let's just go around the round table here and let's just kind of get your guys' take on the gi. You guys like to wear gi? Do you guys not like to wear gi? Do you have any more information about gi other than it's underwear? What do you, um, that it used to be underwear. It's not that you're wearing it now. You know, underwear not coming, you know, 16 ounce duck canvas. So. <laughs> Rusty. Yes. I'm I'm currently not wearing underwear. Just I want to put that out there. Ah! Hey. <laughs> hey, just so you know, I'm not either. Yes. Y'all need to get together. And it's a little nippy in Seattle tonight. <laughs> it is. It is uh, cold. It is. <laughs> you're telling me I'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> 50 degrees, brother, 50 degrees. <laughs> and don't I know it. <laughs> don't I know it, Mr. Stick and Skin. Okay, so let's go. <laughs> let's start. Who wants to Who wants to start with the 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 comments about gi? Should we start with Tony? Let's start with Tony because you wear gi. Yes, I do. Yes. I I do typically wear a gi. On occasion, I will wear a T-shirt because I don't need to hear my own snap of my punches. But a long, 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 long times ten ago, we used to be told that our gis were so that we could hear the snap. We would wear a very lightweight gi so that the snap wasn't there unless you got the punches or the kicks exactly correct. And you had to be absolutely legitimate with your snap or else after about, I don't know, five or six times of not getting it, uh, well, you'd end up on the floor, Uh, whether it was tripped out, taken down, or whatever. That was just how it worked in in those classes. Um, But uh, the other thing that it is, too, is it is to differentiate the mind 
It gets you in the mindset of you are training in the martial arts and you're not doing anything else. You're in a gi. You're not. You're not going to the bank. You're not doing this or the other. You're in a gi, so you're you're training in the martial arts. And if you do go to a bank, you might get shot at. But, <laughs> but uh, all, in all seriousness, that that was uh, pretty much the entirety of the stories that we ever got or that I ever got behind wearing a gi was it was to help you train. Also, right, right. one of the thicker, heavier gis, because in tempo we do these open-hand hits that sting like you would not believe. When you get with the wrong guy and all they want to do is really get that elbow in and get that open-hand palm heel going, oh, man, you better hope you're not wearing a little 7-ounce <laughs> gi. That better be anywhere right. between 14, 16 ounces and have a sweater underneath it because I tell you it stings for a day or two. I've I've got plenty of wealth left by that. So yeah, exactly. So uh, those those were the only uh, reasons that I had ever heard of in general that as for us wearing a gi. And it wasn't until way way later in, in my martial arts uh, I don't want to call it career I want to call it life because it's a lifestyle. In my, large, in my martial arts life, it's only been within the past 10 or so years that I see people being able to wear T-shirts along with their gi pants and their belt on and stuff like that. They have these shirts that, you know, symbolize their their own dojo. It's a, it's their dojo shirt. It has their dojo's name on it and, and maybe a picture or even patches on it signifying right. the same thing as the gi top. Uh, yeah. I won't do that. And the reason why I won't do that is because this it's not a selling point for me. I don't want to try to sell my dojo every chance I get. I would rather that when I show up to my dojo, I look exactly like I mean the dojo business, so to speak. Uh, I, I want to be in full gi so that people have the the idea that this is what we're doing. We're not doing anything else. Right. Right. I, I hope that helps. Okay, cool. Right on. Let's go to Professor Patrick. What are your thoughts on on G? Any other information about the history of it? All that other kind of stuff. Well, uh, basically, what Tony said—that's the same fundamental information that I received as well. As far as geese, is it was a it was a training tool. It was a tool to help you train. You know, mm-hmm. uh, along with the, the Japanese cloth they used to wear that you do a front kick properly, they won't fly off. You know, because you did it properly, and uh, and, and the snap. Uh, but it is definitely that persona. You know, when you put on that gi, uh, just 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 to just to really go into what Tony said, because I feel the same way. You are in a persona. You put on that gi. You are now trained for martial arts. And you, you, have you ever noticed when you get those new students, and they see everyone else in there with the gis on and They'll order a gi or, or purchase a gi right there on the spot. They don't feel like they're part of the group really until they get that deal. Right. <laughs> so that's okay, now, now I am a martial artist. Now I'm a karate kid or whatever because I look like the rest of the group now. You know. Right. So uh, you know, it's like it's like a policeman. I used to work with a lot of policemen with their uniform and their badge off. They were very fun, happy. 
you can talk to them kind of people, but when they're on the job and they put on their badges, there's a different persona that takes over. You know, a, a doctor wears a certain uniform. You know what the doctors are when you walk into a hospital. You know what a judge is when you walk into a courtroom because he wears his particular gown, you know. So it is. Right. It's, it's a persona. It tells you that you are a martial artist. Yeah. Right. Now, does, um, does, would the same hold true about persona in a kung fu school? Like, you know, the ones that just wear T-shirts or or something like that, right? Right. In fact, a lot of kung fu schools just wear T-shirts. They don't even bother with, you, exactly. know, you know, doing Wing Chun or something like that. Um, right. Or, you know, or let's just say Filipino martial arts. You know, I don't wear a gi for Filipino martial arts. I just wear sweatpants and, you know, school T-shirts. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I guess that it would beg the question, does wearing something other than a gi not bring on a persona of the martial arts? So I, maybe that's some, that's, I think that's a different subject for a show. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. That would be a different subject. Yeah, that's up to, you know, the teacher. And now we're going back to the, to the quality of the teacher that uh, puts that persona into the student's mindset, you know. Well, you know, I kind of equate a gi to Bruce Lee's philosophy on punching and kicking. Before he started martial arts, punch was just a punch and a kick was just a kick. But once he got into the martial arts, ah, there was all the nuances about punching and kicking and the different angles and this and that. And then once he got into it and he realized afterwards that a punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. Right. You don't need a gi. <laughs> you don't need the gi. Right. But, well, to get the skill, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I hear you yeah. there. I hear you there. Um, oh, am I a fan of the gi? Well, yeah, I was, you know, was trained in the Japanese art long before I got into Kung Fu or Filipino martial arts or Wushu or, you know, even before I, you know, discovered what more, you know. Um, but... You know, they say, and this is what one of my teachers told me, that you are what you wear, in a way. In a way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that oh, when I wear a karate uniform, I'm a karate kid. Because I, this is, I can do a butterfly kick in a karate uniform. <laughs> I can do gung fu in a karate uniform, and I can do, you know, karate in, you know, in a, in a Filipino martial arts class. And so, you know, yes, that, 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 that is a good point that you don't necessarily need a gi. I guess it just depends on that particular school. Would that be something that we would all agree on in that aspect? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you know, I just think that the main thing is is when you're, you know, when you when you are with that school and you are you are training as a martial artist, and uh, like like what Tony said, it is a training tool, and it kind of gives right. them an idea that this punch is done correctly, and that's basically what it is because you know all of us that are martial artists, we're martial artists uh, because we are what we think, you know. So I, I, you know, I, can, I can train 100% without a gi, you know, because I was, a, I was a, a, a big fan of Bruce Lee before I even took a karate class, and I was a martial artist <laughs> in my mind anyway, copying his moves. So <laughs> before I started the class, I was a martial artist in my blue jeans and, and my T-shirt, you know, <laughs> watching uh, Enter the Dragon. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yes, I time I caught in my jeans because I was late to class and I was like, okay, take up your stick, let's go. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Tony. I, if I may interject, um, but the one thing that you must remember about Bruce Lee is that every time he ever did a demonstration, he was wearing a kung fu uniform. Unless of he was course. yeah, he was wearing a jing mo. There's no question about that. Right. Yeah. Unless he was interviewed or sidelined about it, every time he was doing something that had directly to do with Kung Fu or Jeet Kune Do or something of that sort, he would be in uniform because he wanted the persona. I'm not saying the uniform's not important. Right. Uh, I'm not course. arguing you know, with I'm... you on that because you're right. I mean, a kick is just okay, a kick good. and a punch is just a punch. I, I've seen right. you do your greatest work in shorts. So, I mean, there's no snap in those shorts. <laughs> True. And, you know, you, you bam, get that kick in and you watch that chick go flying by. You're like, man, somebody better clock her. She's speeding in air. <laughs> but anyway, bless your heart. You're so kind. Thank you. The re- the recipient of that kick might have a different idea about whether it's snapped or not. Yeah, they're <laughs> drooling on themselves. Right. <laughs> no, you know, uh, uniform also. I for just for me, I'm just only speaking about me, but it, it can work with with other people too. Is that <clears throat> well? I I think Professor Patrick or or was it Tony? I don't remember. I already said that it puts you in a different state of mind. In my case, right. put right. back in time. So when it, I did Aikido for only two years, but I did I did Kudo for um, I'm still doing Kudo. I, I did Kudo for about ten years um, regularly, and I did Iaido. Still do Iaido, and to mm-hmm. put on Wagi and. Ninety seconds. Oh well, we're going to keep recording. To put on the uagi and the old uagi, <laughs> it and to sit like in a in a hardwood do, hardwood floor dojo with like ten other people wearing swords or, or throwing people around on a mat of floor or whatever, it it puts you in a different time and it puts you in a different space and it allowed right. at least for me it allowed me to. Really, like, uh, try to latch on to the flavor of of Eido or Eijutsu, you know, back in the Meiji era. It allowed me to to almost put myself in that time and to understand the art. Does that kind of make sense? Of course. It makes perfect sense. I mean, I felt the same way when I was going through martial arts and training, and I too studied Aikido and put on the the Hakama and 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 felt that there's no question yeah. about it. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful. And that's part feeling. of the process. It is. It is. It is. And uh, I think I was beginning to say earlier. You know, you are what you wear. When I put on a gi, if I if I do a kung fu form, I'll start out doing kung fu, but just the feel of the gi and the snap, like Tony's uh, talking about. I can turn that kung fu form into a karate form, and if I'm doing sure. karate, yeah, you know, exactly. Like mo or a uniform or, or just a t-shirt and a sash, you know, and and they uh, use shoes or something like that. I'll start off doing something like a kusan kusho, how to kusan kusho, and turn it into kung fu or whatever, right? And for some, it's the clothing kind of like, tries to fit into what you're doing. It tries sometimes with some people. But, uh, but right. you know, I, I guess all in all it, it depends on the school, the student, and um, 
the well the tradition of the school too and the feel that it gives you how it allows you to learn or something. So anyway, we are unfortunately out of time. We could go a little longer, however, you know, I, I think what happens is um, Blog Talk Radio starts to kick us off and stuff like that. When that happens. So anyway, I'd like to. I'd like to thank Patrick and Bobby and Tony for calling in and uh and thank you and Kat, Bob Robinson and Bob Robinson for asking great questions and, and Janie also for asking great questions. Um, you know, this subject of Mark Moore's success stories will never get old. We will probably be revisiting this because this is our second time um uh on this subject, we will be revisiting this sometime soon because there's, there's a lot of success stories out there, and we want to hear from you. Um, so don't forget about Cat's segment, Cat's Corner. Um, if you've got questions for Cat that you would like her to answer, we choose one question per week that uh, she gets to answer, and she's got uh, five or ten minutes to answer it as part of her uh, as part of her segment. And that's going to be part of the first part of our show. From now on, we've got events, announcements, birthdays, health um, news, weird news, entertainment news. We're thinking of bringing back the trivia contest um, and Cap Corner. So hit us up on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. If you haven't already liked the page, go ahead and like it. Um, and uh, Or you can hit me up on uh, Facebook Messenger and uh, we'll pick a question. That's the answer every week. So there you go. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest rest of the weekend, and we'll see everybody next time. Bye now. Happy Thanksgiving, Thank everybody. you. Take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.